0: Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Devilish speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, Robin, welcome to the Real Talk SLP podcast show. Hi. <laughs> Hey, I'm excited to have you on the show, because we're going to be talking about going from an elementary caseload to a high school caseload. Uh, if you don't know, Robin and I used to share an elementary caseload together, and then she decided to go to high school and leave me all alone or with the, I, had, I had another new SLV come in that was really great. but um, <laughs> we worked together for a year, and she's super awesome. So welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) So, Robin, why don't you let everyone know a little bit about your background in the speech therapy field and, you know, just some of the areas you like to work with? Okay.
1: Well, I've been a school-based SLP since 2012, and I worked in the preschool elementary population for about seven years. And then I decided to make the big switch to high school and I've been there um, for two years. I just finished my second year in high school setting.
0: So you got one year without COVID?
1: Actually, I got ha- one semester without COVID and then pandemic hit halfway through my first year in the high school setting. And that was really an interesting experience because literally went from transitioning from elementary to high school to then transitioning from in-person distance learning and then distance learning to hybrid. And now I don't know what we're going to be doing next year.
0: Yeah. Hopefully it's at least hybrid. It should be at least hybrid. Yeah. We'll find out with the way that the situation is, everything's always changing. So. I know it's, it's crazy. So you have become the queen of transitions. (laughs) I think that's a really good
1: way to put it. You know, I would say, I don't know if this is typical for every single person who's transitioning into high school, but I would say in general, this past year and a half has taught me to be very flexible and be very creative and, you know, recreating myself and systems and ways to really help support. Our students and be creative in in doing so. So it's been a a big learning experience, I would say.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad to have you on the show because I think a lot of SLPs need to hear about a real in the trenches situation where an SLP is transitioning to a new setting and just like some of the things that you've learned. And With every guest, I always ask them to share a song about our topic area. So since we're talking about changing and transitioning into new areas, do you have a song that reminds you of what it's like to transition into something new?
1: Yes, they do. It is called Changes by David Bowie. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the song, but basically the song represents David Bowie's evolving musical styles over the longevity of his career. And it really symbolizes like the fact that you have to grow and change through life. And I was like, yeah, that totally encapsulates the experience that I had transitioning into high school because high school is literally a completely different structure than elementary, and so you have to make a lot of modifications and adjust everything you do to make it work into this completely new environment.
0: I like your song choice based on the description. I'm going to have to actually go listen to it, but I love it. It sounds like it encapsulates going to high school. I did high school for one year, and I've done middle school for about four-ish years, and there's a transition even going to middle school, but then the high school transition is even... I don't want to say it's harder or easier. If you're used to one thing and imagine transitioning to a whole new age group and then a whole and then a school even has their own ways of doing things. So you're not only transitioning to a new school with new staff, there's other elements to it, like students and their interests and how, you know, how do you get, find an admin for your IEP meetings? Because yeah. there's a lot of them. <laughs>
1: Yes. And that's the beauty of it too. What you just described, each school site is going to have its own system and how they do things. So you're adjusting to that and then, you know, just learning a completely new structure. So yeah, it's a lot of transitioning.
0: (laughs) Well, I think some SLPs, they think that maybe they want to change, but they're not really sure. So what inspired you to want to change settings and get the ball rolling on maybe switching things up? One of the things that attracted me to the field of speech
1: therapy was the fact that there's a lot of variety in the job. So there's like a lot of variety in which populations you can work with or variety in different settings you can work with. And that was something that that drew me to the profession. And so, you know, after seven years of being in elementary, I felt like I had explored that age group and the different areas I could work in it. I felt like I explored it enough. And so I just wanted to try a different experience out there.
0: Yeah, I get that. I've definitely have had to uh, transition some by choice, some by like, okay, this isn't working. I need to see what else is out there. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it always helped me to grow. And I figured out what I liked, what I didn't like. And so I will always be grateful for the transitions I've had, but it can still be kind of rough in the beginning. And I, that's kind of leads me into my next question. So when you did transition from elementary to high school, what did it look like those first three to six months in the new setting? Because I think giving people a picture would be good for them (laughs) to envision.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, it felt like, honestly, in I know this sounds really silly because like at this point I had been in the field for like seven years, right? So I thought I had everything figured out and switching into the high school setting, I really felt like I was starting over and I was in my first year again because I was with a new age group. I was learning new aspects of the job that I wasn't familiar with and things like, you know, transition IEPs, exit IEPs, how high school just generally operates, So that was all kind of a big learning curve for me. And so I would say at first, it was, you know, you you do, you have a little bit of doubts and you feel a little bit like, you know, just overwhelmed by it all. But of course you kind of roll the punches and you, you very quickly, you know, I would say after that first semester, you, you kind of have a rhythm set up. I would say something else that I had to learn or kind of experience was I was lucky enough in the experience that I ended up reinheriting elementary school students that I had worked with years before because I stayed in the same school district. And so that was really fun, And you know, because I already had that rapport with family members and, and the students, but I had to really adjust my mindset and, and make sure that I wasn't treating those students that I had worked with before like they were the elementary school kids that I knew, right? Because now they're mm-hmm. high schoolers, they they're teenagers, they have different, you know, personalities are growing up, you know, and so like, I had to put a lot of effort into making sure that I was doing things that were age appropriate. And I had to like train myself on things like, you know, making sure that when I referred to the students, I didn't call them things like kiddo or, or friends or kids or children, because, you know, some of these kids were like 15 years old, right? Or, you know, 16 Mm -hmm. or some of them are 18 and they're adults, right? So just being mindful of that. And then also something else that was interesting for me too, was just like being mindful of like my voice. So we all like when we're talking to each other, we all kind of get into this like, um, you know, we sound like kindergarten teachers and it's just, you know, it's automatic. And so that was something that I was, I, I had to train myself and I still catch myself doing it is that, you know, you have to talk to your students like they are grown young, yeah, teenagers, young adults. young adults. Yeah, and so for me, that was kind of an experience, you know, of navigating that. And then I think also just when I transitioned into the high school setting, high school, people aren't going to hold your hand in high school. <laughs> so getting information, figuring out things, like you have to kind of be proactive in figuring that out. And so for me, I found it like, when I first was there in high school, like finding materials that were age appropriate was really difficult at first for me because I didn't know, you know, like I had students that were, you know, really low in certain areas. And so when I'm looking to target those things, materials that I I knew about or that I wanted to utilize all had like a kiddish kind of look to them. Mm -hmm. And so like, I had to really, um, you know, just in those first six months or so, you're building, you're rebuilding everything. It's really like it's your first year. You're rebuilding literally everything. But it was fun.
0: I mean, it was cool. You know, now I'm, I'm
1: I'm really happy, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think when I was in the high school, actually, I don't remember. I only did the high school for one year only because they had a really early start time. And I'm like, I cannot do this because I am not a morning person. <laughs> but I feel like I was more nervous with the middle school students. Like they hate me. They don't like me because they're feeling awkward too. And so they're in that in-between stage where I feel like high school kids are a little bit more, they know who they are. They're a little bit more established. So you can have a conversation with them where middle school kids you're trying you know they're feeling a little awkward it's a brand new overwhelming experience and so those first couple months of therapy i'm always like they don't like anything i do they hate me yes so that's like
1: <laughs> so that was something that was really funny is like i always think of it like elementary and i think that was one of the things that attracted me to elementary and preschool first right when i was like first coming out of the you know grad school was the the fact that like you don't have to really work to get the love and praise and attention from like the, the students, like you instantly have buy in You know, you give, you give that preschooler a sticker and they're, they're, they're ready for speech. They're, they're excited to participate, but you know, that doesn't work in high school, you know? And so the buy-in you have to get from the the students is genuinely from your ability to help them access the curriculum, your ability to, for them to see the change and for them to have buy-in and think that it's worth them showing up. And so it's a lot different because you really do have to work a lot. I felt like I had to work harder to just get that buy-in from the students. you know.
0: And it just takes time and you have to adjust. I know we're like a data-driven field, but I felt like it took time to get to the place where the relationship had to trump everything else. For a longer period to get the long-term relationship where in elementary, you could, you could get data the first day of therapy. You could get it, you know, you know what I mean, you could get your language sample, you can get whatever you need.
1: Yes, that is, that is very true. Um, I would say in my situation, I was a little bit lucky because not all of the kids that I, I had on my caseload, but uh, there was enough that I had worked with them previously and already had had that relationship formed. You know, at least with their parents and with the students. So for me, I was lucky in that sense. But like for the students that I didn't have that bond with or that I didn't know previously, yeah, it was it was rough. Not rough, but you know what I mean. You
0: you had a- yeah, you question your <laughs> your ability, but then usually by month six, you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're good, they like me now, or we we figured out our relationship. You get a good or... rhythm. You get a good rhythm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Okay. So what would you say – you kind of talked about some of the differences already between working at the elementary versus mm-hmm. the high school level because you said just you have to figure things out on your own a little bit more yeah. or I feel like elementary's a little more – Co- not collaborative, but we just have access to each other a little bit more. Yes. Uh, high school, to get to the 12th grade wing, you got to walk half a mile sometimes. Yes, yes you do. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: So what are some differences? Secondary structure itself is completely different than elementary. And so because of that, that impacts how you function and operate in those two separate spaces, you know? So things that usually works really well in elementary just doesn't translate over to high school. And so, you know, and I'm not saying every single thing, it's just some things, you know, just adjusting to that can be, you know, a little bit of a difference. Um, high school, high school is really big. And so you have a lot more additional staff members in high school. So, you know, it's really important for you to, you know, make contact with everyone or at least learn who they are, because I would say, you know, not only are you learning who they are, but you're also learning, like, what is their role and responsibility? Because there's some aspects of high school that makes things a little bit easier on you when you case manage. So you have to kind of know um, who you can contact to support you in those different roles. In that same note, high school is very fast paced, as we discussed. And so because it's so fast paced, your communication style has to kind of be altered and changed. And what I mean by that is like, I very quickly learned this, like where in elementary, and you know, this, you've seen me work in elementary, you know, like I I communicate a lot, right? With elementary staff, parents, I'm, I'm going in, you know, other SLPs, And that's part of kind of like what the structure of the elementary setting is, is that you know, you want everyone to be on board. It's very collaborative. You have everyone there. In high school, it's very fast paced and people just don't have the same time. They they've yes. got, You know, even the gen ed teachers have a caseload, you know, of 120 kids and they've got it. you know, mm-hmm. they, they got to keep rolling. And so with that, you find that you have to communicate in a very clear and succinct manner. And then you kind of have to modify your communication styles based off of The teachers, you know, so some teachers are really into, you know, email, some are not. Some are into you going to their classrooms. Some you learn very quickly. Mm -hmm. That doesn't roll, you know. And then knowing the times in which to communicate with them. Some, you know, lunch in high school is only 30 minutes. So most of the time, you know, teachers aren't really that available then. But there are some that will be available on their prep. Some will be available before school, after school. So there's like all these There's things that you kind of have there that you kind of learn the pace and the structure of high school. Another difference uh, is, I mean, I think we, we talked about it, but it's really hard at first to build a rapport with staff. You know, I just finished my second year and there are still staff members that I don't know and they don't know me. And it's not because I'm not like active in the, in the school site, you know, the school site's very um welcoming and, you know, they have me in meetings and we talk and they, everyone knows who I am. It's just, there's just some coworkers you're just not going to cross paths with in the first, you know, two years or whatnot. And so that's kind of a thing It's just, it takes more time to build rapport with staff, but it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's, it's just big, bigger campus, bigger staff. Another big difference, too, is in high school, transition plans. I, I don't know if you're familiar with what a transition plan is. And I'm in California, so I don't know if this is for every other state. But in California, in our IEPs, we have something called a transition plan. And what it is, is you're talking about, you know, what is it, what are you doing to prepare the student to graduate? And then also, what are you preparing them to do, like, after they are done with high school so they can be independent functional members of society. And so because you're you're spending a lot of that time in this in high school planning those transition plans, holding those transition meetings, a lot of what you do is going to be kind of geared towards that end goal of making your student be a you know, a productive member of society. And so Things like employment and job readiness and things like that are things that you're going to incorporate in your, you know, therapy approaches, your goals, you know, it's it's things that you think about where I'm not saying that those are things that you didn't think about in elementary. It's just, it has more precedence and more, I feel like weight because your students that you're working with are going to be graduating in less than four years, right? So-
0: you know, yeah, yeah. I remember the, tra- I don't even know how to do the transition plan mm-hmm. part anymore because <laughs> I don't have to do it anymore. So that went out my brain, but I know what they are. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like brain on fire too. because yeah. It's a whole nother aspect to your IEP that you have to learn. And then you have to even give them some tests, I think, not tests, yep. but like inventories Yep, and you have to write some goals And if you're the case manager, you get to do it all. And that's the thing
1: is like those first, I mean, I would say the first semester was really hard because those are all things that we, we, you have to do, but ever since everyone else does it in high school, they just assume you know how to do it. And so, you know, you have to really, you have to go seek people. And so I was very blessed and lucky in the sense that I, had built really great relationships with my ELA teachers, which those are the ones that I did a lot of push-in therapy with, with my ELA teachers, because they're awesome. But they had 12th graders. (laughs) One was a 12th grade English teacher. And so he was really nice and showed me the ropes with the, the transition plan. And then, of course, you know, accessing, you know, your program specialists and things like that, you know, so.
0: But it's just another layer to get through. So you definitely feel like those, especially the first year, Going, what did I do? Yeah. Um, in yeah. certain ways, and then other ways you're like, This was great. And then you go back and forth <laughs> for at least six months. Yeah, and so you you kind of figure out the system,
1: you know, and, yeah. and then you can better prepare for for things. I know those first six um months or so, I was also going through and looking at old previously done you know, transition plans or previously done IEPs or previously done reports to just find out how other previous, you know, SLPs did it to come up with, you know, how I was going to do things, you know?
0: Yeah, I would have done that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even remember how I learned everything. I think, yeah, I just remember it was, if they weren't 15, I didn't have to do one. And it was the same with preschool. They have a little special assessment thing you got to do. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about the DRDPs? I went, yes, yes. I don't know if they do that nationwide or anything, but I just, you know, we all have our little things that we have to do. And I will say the one thing that I really liked about high school or just the older grades is that you're not the case manager for as many students. So it does take a transition to figure out you're not necessarily your role, but you have more time to actually support the students. And but you're but we're so used to in the elementary like doing those initials, doing those tries, doing therapy, doing all the paperwork that you get into this case manager role. What do you think?
1: Well, yes and no. So I would say you don't have that many initials. So that is you only Had one initial right in high school because. By the time they're in high school, chances are they've been identified, right? But you have a ton, a ton of triennial reports, and you have, you know, at least in California, I don't know about other parts of the the state because it depends on the eligibility criteria Mm -hmm. that's related to, like, for example, the autism eligibility criteria. You might not have a student that's on your caseload, right? But in whenever that evaluation comes up, and if autism is their, you know, identifying label, you're still involved in that assessment. And so, oh
0: yes, I forgot about that.
1: So you have those, and then where I was at, I also did um, NPS assessments,
0: so non-public, non-public school, I think. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go with it. <laughs> but I had <laughs> I had those assessments you would do as well because you know in the um, School districts, I don't know if it's every school district, but uh, the school districts that I have worked at, they prefer that to be, even though the students are being seen by you know that site and that area, they want a district employee to go and do those evaluations. So you end up with a ton of evaluations. So it's a trade-off. I didn't anticipate that much, but I mean, it's not bad. It's just, it's a trade-off. So yes, it's less case management, which is awesome. But a lot more assessment and reports. And then also, and this isn't talking bad on anyone or, you know, anything, but it depends on if your case manager is an efficient and really well done, you know, case manager that knows how to case manage really well and, and disseminate information really well and that versus a case manager that doesn't. So you're kind of like left up you know, sometimes to getting information that you wish you had, but it comes to you late or it comes to you or it doesn't come to you. And after you've made a decision on something, you've put in all this effort and you've reached out and you've tried all these things. And then you come to find out something a little bit after the fact. And you're like, well, that would have changed how I would have approached things. And so then you have to right. kind of revamp things. So I mean, a lot of it is You know, yes, it's cool not having to case manage everything, but you also lose a sense of the control that you had in making things be the way that you want them to be as far as with your caseload and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I tried to always just keep my side of the street clean (laughs) as good as I can. Because, yeah, one year I was in the middle school and I wasn't the case manager for anybody.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: That's what I think middle school, the one thing about middle school the pro is you don't have to do transitions. And then if you aren't the case manager, you can really focus on supporting kids in the classroom and doing therapy. But then after all your work, they leave in two years. So a new grade level transitions, I would say that would be the con of middle school. And then high school, you're all making decisions about, do we exit this kid? Mm -hmm. They're still exhibiting these eligibilities, but you know, how do we, it's a lot of, navigating that. And then I think it's hard to remember too, like a a gen ed kid has six teachers and even the special day classroom teacher, the kids have more than one teacher. Yes, they do. So that's what creates a great opportunity for picking who you want to collaborate and push in with and, but then keeping everybody on the same page.
1: Yes. And And that's the big thing too, is like, You know, when I was talking about like sometimes case, some case managers keeping you in the loop with information and some not, it's not because they're bad case manager. It's just, there's so many people that unfortunately, like speech, we're kind of on the bottom when we're in high school, you know, which is completely different than elementary. Elementary, you know, at least my experience was, is that like speech was always remembered. We were like the first one people would think about, you know. Parents are contacting you. They're responding to you immediately. You know, people want to talk to you. You hold a lot of weight and importance, I would say, in the elementary school setting. And by the time you get in high school, there's all these other services are there. And I'm not saying that speech therapy is, is not important. I mean, we are very important. And it's 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 really good to have us in, you know, servicing the kids in the high school setting. But now you have to justify your services. And you have to make it clear. You have to fight back bat for why you're why you're pulling a kid so many times they are, um, what you're going to work on, you know, the skills that they're going to have targeted. You got to make sure teachers are on board, the students themselves, you got to get buy-in. And so it's like, you kind of have to really, you got to sail it. <laughs> and I, I have found in the high school setting, because, you know, the big thing is, is that every time a student is pulled out of the classroom, they're losing access to the curriculum. Right. So you've got a really, and, and in high school, a lot of the high school teachers, they're not going to, it's not like, um, elementary where elementary school teachers were so flexible with it, where they would be like, oh, you're going to pull, you know, so-and-so during my math time. Well, that's okay. I'll just rearrange this one thing and I'll pull him, you know, we'll, we'll cover it. What do you at math during um, silent reading time? And it'll be fine. Don't worry. I know that it's really hard scheduling. You, you'll be fine, right? You know, mm-hmm. so I had, you know, teachers and staff that would accommodate and really work with me. In high school, it is not like that.
0: <laughs>
1: if, if the <laughs> yeah. student missed their time frame, the teacher, you know, might give them some notes or might, you know, touch bases with them quickly, but they're not going to reteach the lesson that they missed. And so, you really have to be diligent and put a lot of thought in when you're going to pull them, what are they missing, and can they miss this, and, and how often are you going to have them, them move it? So, you got to get creative. So, yeah, you really have to sell it.
0: You have to also teach them how to get, how to come to your room on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, and- it might make some teachers mad.
1: Well, yeah, that too. And then at least at my school site, I know that this isn't in every single school site, but I I was lucky enough that the school site I was at and the district I'm at is pushing really hard for the idea of co-teaching, co-collaboration, um, push-in model, that kind of stuff. So for me, I was able to have my caseload and that's a big caseload, but I was still able to Um, instead of pulling the kids out of the classroom, I could push into the classroom and do co-teaching with, you know, the teachers that I picked. And that way I didn't have to go through so much energy of justifying the, the service, if that makes sense, because I'm like, well, they're in the classroom and we're working on this and everyone's benefiting from this, you know, and everyone's getting this, this support. And, you know, this helps, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I'm, I feel like, I don't know if this is, this might be generalization because I don't think this is true. I think elementary teachers are very collaborative, but I do think some at the upper, you know, the high school level they're I want to say they're more collaborative, but they're definitely more open to maybe co-teaching or I don't know what it, what is your, how is.
1: Um, I mean, I had a, mix.
0: it's probably it, hit and miss. It was hit and miss. It was hit or miss. Yeah. And, you know,
1: again, I had inherited a school site where. The previous SLP did start some co-teaching with certain teachers. And so people saw, like, how that would be beneficial for both parties involved, you know? Like, I had a little bit more buy-in. So it wasn't like I had to, like, fight to... Prove to people that push in is the way to go. And then, and that's not all of my kids. I would say that was like half my caseload. I do push in for a lot of them. And then the other ones, you know, I'm pulling them at certain times that aren't there available and whatnot.
0: I would say that it's fair to say that with any school site that you're transitioning to, if you have to establish your role and that could take more time if the previous SLP maybe didn't set that up, or if you're trying something new, you know, you're establishing yourself, it kind of takes time, no matter what setting, no matter if you're elementary or high school. Yes, I would
1: say that is 100% true. At least from what I've experienced, people aren't always open to change. And I don't know if it's because, you know, we're all creature of habits, or if it's because people have a little bit of fear and they don't know what to expect. But I find that anytime that that's happening where there's change, you get pushback. And so, you know, I have found that you have to really to sell someone on the, the ideal of the change, you have to really show them the ways in which it's gonna benefit them. So like for me, pushing into my ELA teachers' classrooms, right? It's a really awesome experience where the ELA teachers and the speech you know, goals, a lot of ours can align well with each other, right? As far as our common core standards are or whatnot. And so we have like things that we're working on. What we'll do is we'll sit down and maybe plan out the next month, you know, worth of things that were activities we're going to do to make sure we're hitting all the areas we need, right? So that both of our needs are being met. But then also they like it because they have an extra staff member that's literally in the classroom that's working with everyone. On the days that i pushed in, right, I would take over the class. They would say, oh, it's Miss Boyd's classroom. So that teacher is there and is taking a step back and is allowing me to take over the classroom and and teach. But they saw the benefit in that experience, right? So now that they've seen the benefit, other teachers are more willing to do it. And that's how the change kind of starts. So yeah, it does take time, you know.
0: Yeah, I would say that's probably a similarity across both settings Mm -hmm. with elementary and high school. It's like, some people are going to be open to things that you want to do and some aren't. So you have to really slowly establish what you are hoping for your site and your high school site. And that push in is a great option for the older kids. And, and that can take time. So I love all that that you shared about that. And then just to before we end our interview... I know there's a lot of SLPs out there that are starting a new age group or setting. And so what three tips would you give them for embracing the transition? I would say, you know, I would say my top three things
1: is, of course, like be flexible and understand that you're going to feel like it's your first year. You're going to feel like you're making mistakes. And and that's because you're starting in a new environment and that's okay. I think as SLPs, we tend to be perfectionists. And we sometimes beat ourselves up and you got to like keep that in mind as you're trying something new. The other thing is, is of course, um, I think I've I've mentioned the materials, but just know that your materials and your strategies are going to change based on the age group you have and just keep that in mind. And when I'm talking about materials and strategies, I'm even talking about things like a prize box, right? Think about that. Mm -hmm. Prize box, the concept of a prize box is something you use in elementary school, right? Because it makes sense. It's a prize, they come to speech, right? In high school, I mean, yes, you could do a prize box with age appropriate tools if you wanted to, or things that they could earn. But honestly, it doesn't work. It's not going to have that same effect because by high school, you know, they have other reasons why they're they're wanting to go to to, to speech therapy. And it should be intrinsic reasons at that age group. Right. So that right there shows you like a difference in your strategies that you're gonna have, right? So you're gonna be, you know, modifying it as you go. That last one, and I think this is really, really the like the the big most important thing that I learned is learn the culture of your school site and, and learn how the staff communicates, learn how they relay information, because that's gonna be kind of your lifeline to what's going on on campus and how you're going to make things work and how you're going to operate is getting that information and and getting it regularly.
0: Yeah. I like those. Flexible, uh, modifying, considering your audience and then knowing how your school operates. And that also means like biting your tongue sometimes, or just observing, watching, taking it in. I know sometimes I'll want to, jump in and just do all the things. And anytime I try to do that without really assessing and reading the room, so to speak, next thing you know, we got some miscommunication going on.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's such a good point you brought up. It's really, really important because if you think about like, in the high school setting, everyone's kind of an expert in their own subject matter. You know, PE teacher is the expert on physical education. The English language teacher is the expert on, you know, ELA, right? Or math is math, right? And so because everyone kind of has their different specialties, it's cool because they really allow you to work in your space and your specialty, you know, and they'll they'll defer to you when you you have a suggestion or things that kind of come up, which is really nice. But on that same note, you need to respect them in their areas and respect and, and it's give and take and really respect those boundaries, you
0: know, in that sense. Yeah, you know? I love that. Or I love your examples about that. OK, you totally rocked this uh, episode. I think a lot of SLPs are going to love hearing your experience and you gave such great advice. And so thank you, Robin, for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> um Yes. So if you're transitioning or you know someone that's transitioning to a new setting, you can always send them to this episode to give them some peace of mind with how to navigate that transition. As always, SLPs, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired and I will see you next week. Bye.